Welcome to another episode of the Legal Marketing Studio, the bi-weekly podcast examining best-in-class examples of branding, strategy, content, and technology in legal marketing. Each episode is devoted to a successful initiative, an innovative campaign, a promising technology, or an effective proven strategy for developing new business at law firms from the largest international firm to the solo attorney. The podcast is a production of Picture More Business, a corporate photography studio with a core focus on the legal industry, providing the full gamut of photography services for law firms. I'm Michael Meyer, the host of the Legal Marketing Studio. In this episode, I'm speaking with Valerie Pack of Tag Online. Valerie has been a member of Tag Online since 2004. She is the VP of Business Development there, as well as one of the creative directors and project leaders interfacing with clients, designers, and programmers. Valerie's professional background includes public relations and event planning in the food, wine, and travel industries, and she is very active in the local business community, including the Morris County Chamber of Commerce, where she currently serves as the chair of the Technology Committee. Uh, She's also, uh, as I know from seeing her around at various networking groups, a master of networking. Uh, Val, welcome to the Legal Marketing Studio. Thank you so much for having me. Well, let's start with the sort of the broad picture of the web right now, right? We went from web 1.0 to web 2.0 to whatever web point whatever it is right (laughs) now, right? The scope of websites has changed drastically. They've become more powerful. They've become less, you know, like standalone brochureware to sort of very powerful tools. You know, could you talk a bit about what the web looks like now and sort of what some of the considerations are uh, on the back end of, of making those websites happen? Absolutely. So one of the biggest things that's happened is mobile. Mobile friendliness is of utmost importance these days in the world of building websites um, because more users are using the internet on their mobile devices versus desktops. And for law firms, another thing that we've seen is that the importance of instead of presenting information, which you have to do on your website, you have to tell people who you are, what you do, talk about your attorneys, talk about their accolades and awards and achievements and all of those things. But you also have to convey your brand. How do people feel when they look at your website, visit their website? What's the tone that's coming across? And um, more and more these days, I think that's becoming more important. And how that translates into directly building websites and if you know marketing directors at law firms are really looking at how they're accomplishing that, meaning more pictures than text. What kind of pictures? And as you know, as a photographer, it's really important to have you're the people portrayed in the pictures looking real, looking professional, not staged and stodgy and uncomfortable. So I think there's a turn more recently to the feel of a website and the design and the look and how people are interacting with it. But in order to make that effective, the website has to work, right? Absolutely. That's That is the most important thing, functionality. Um, And that's expected. That's a baseline. So it has to work. It has to be up and running. It has to be mobile friendly. Uh, It has to provide tools that people expect to see. So the basics of contact forms, information, perhaps blog subscriptions, perhaps newsletter subscription capabilities. Um, And they're depending on the firm and the company and what their goals are. There could be other, other tools that they could be using as well. You know, and part of, I think, what's happening in the web is that it's, I mean, the web was always interconnected. But I think one of the things that's changing is it's become so much more social. And there are so many different channels. It's not just your website alone, but, 
you've also got, you know, a Twitter feed and you've got a, maybe an Instagram account and you've got maybe some sort of Tumblr or some, all these various kind of social media channels. You've got YouTube, you've got, maybe you've got a Vimeo or a YouTube uh, video channel. And so your website's sort of at the center of it. Uh, but there's all this other stuff that now you're part of this sort of web ecosystem that's not just interconnected, but that you're one small part of your overall, you know, your website's one small part of that overall ecosystem. And while law firms are perhaps more conservative than some, say, consumer brands, they're still within that. Are there any considerations um, in building your website and in building the infrastructure behind the website to take advantage of and to make that integration easier or, or more direct? Yes. Well, I think first identifying what the goals of the site are, what tools and technologies you are going to incorporate in the website is a really important place to start. For example, we just worked with a law firm where some of the 70 attorneys are very active on LinkedIn, for example, or Twitter. Some never use it. So for them, promoting social media in a big way throughout the website was not a priority. However, for some, it may be. Um, So you definitely need to make sure that whatever you're going to be accomplishing on your website the hosting company that you're working with supports that the backend development of your site and the technology being used to build the site supports those tools and typically with social media tools they're very supportable across the board for example a facebook feed or an instagram feed now law firms may not be using those types of things uh but linkedin connectivity and things like that um those tools are meant to be very easy to transfer to your website. Because as you said, the website is one piece of the bigger social or digital landscape that you're representing yourself on. Are there any considerations in building the back end for the kind of company? You know, in other words, are there special considerations for law firms or or is really the the structure behind the website not going to be affected by the kind of company? I think that law firms in particular need to be very... Uh, mindful and aware of the data they're putting on their site, the security that's supporting their site. There are a lot of standards as far as cybersecurity, as far as just privacy that need to to be looked at. Um, certain things that need to be implemented when you're building a website and coding a website that need to be followed. So there's different, certain standards that definitely law firms in particular should follow because they're, especially if they have people practicing cybersecurity or internet law, um, they need to adhere to those things that they are going to be recommending to their clients. And then as far as other industry-specific considerations, it's really less industry and more the tools you're using. So for example, e-commerce. A lot of uh, websites do accept payments on their website, law firms included, people in the legal and B2B industries included. So those are other things that you need to be just aware of the security implications of all of that. And we're talking, you know, specifically, or at least nominally about web hosting. Maybe we should talk a bit about what we're talking about when we're talking about web hosting. So Tag Online hosts websites. (laughs) What does that mean? It's a great question. What it means to host a website is to have a facility that supports the infrastructure for making websites available on the internet. So I often liken web hosting to renting a room 
uh, renting an apartment in an apartment building. So you have all your stuff. You need to live in a place. You pay your monthly rent. You get perhaps a, a doorman, some sort of security, and you get all the you know hot water, heat, electricity, all of those things. When you have your website, you have all the files and data on your website that need to physically live somewhere on a server. So your hosting company is the company that provides that infrastructure to make sure your files live in a secure location are immediately accessible. And, you know, it's it's kind of a fun idea. We use the word server for granted. We all say that word, but really a web server is a machine that when Michael Meyer goes to, uh, you know, a website, types it in, what you're doing is using your browser to request information. And the job of the server is to serve you that information. That's why we call it a server. So, Basically, a hosting company is the company that has all those servers that provide all the web pages when any of us go on and type in a, in a URL. And I think part of it also is that someone has a website and there's a whole series of layers of the interactivity with that website. There's the interactivity, you know, of the, the end user. But then, you know, you've also got the interaction of the creator of the website. How are they going to interact with that website? You've got the interaction of the, the coders and the developers who are building the software on that. I mean, there's a whole... There's so many layers to that interaction. In, in terms of the host providing their layers, what, are, what is the host providing, really? That's, that's great. And the host is providing the infrastructure that allows all of that stuff to happen that you talked about. Because you're right in, in addressing all the different layers of what happens when you visit a website on, and when you click a link and when you you know, download a PDF, all those things are very simple functions. Um, You enter your information in a form. All those are functions supported by your web host. It's it's kind of the underlying thing that people don't really think much about. But, um, you know, we often liken building a website to building a house. There's, you know, there's so many different options as far as the materials and what you put in and how you how you do it. But really, the hosting is like the foundation on which you build that house. So it is really important to have a solid foundation where, one, you know that you have the coders and the people who are qualified and skilled to accomplish what you need. And two, they're available to you because you, you, you don't really need your hosting company to be you know, on call all the time unless something goes wrong, if and when. And something may happen. And even if it doesn't go wrong, you want to have a hosting company that you can call on with questions, with concerns. Why is this happening? One example is a client that we had who had a website on WordPress. What was happening is that they weren't upgrading their version of WordPress. It's a WordPress, like anything else, is a piece of software and software needs maintenance, in particular WordPress software. Well, that site had not been updated in, in many years, so it was generating spam. Uh, that's one example of where the hosting company had kind of fallen asleep on the job where no one was noticing it. It was causing problems on their site. And thankfully, when we came in, this was when they were brought to us. We actually noticed that that was happening. They didn't even notice. So a hosting company also does all that security scanning and monitoring of your website 24-7 when you're, you don't even realize that necessarily. But it's happening on the back end. It should be happening on the back end so that things like that don't occur. And if issues do occur, if there are security issues, they'll be addressed before they even become an issue and before you even notice it. I mean, I actually use WordPress for the Legal Marketing Studio website and uh. another blog I run as well. And I get announcements every so often from my host saying, we've automatically updated it, which is super convenient because I don't have to, to think about it. That's great. Because they are. Um, yes. And so that's certainly something when you're looking at a host, 
you know, partly that's convenient, but partly it's a security issue because as, as your client found out, if you don't patch all the problems that pop up in these things, you're going to get hacked. I mean, it's... There may be more problems later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. So another issue I think that comes up, and this is perhaps a bit of a tangent, as firms are building their website, they're probably going to an outside vendor to do that, right? They're probably working with a, a design company or a marketing company. And somewhere, some, someone in that chain is going to register the domain name. Perhaps the firm will do it themselves. Perhaps the marketing company will do it for them. Perhaps it'll happen through the host. Who owns the domain name? Who should own the domain name? This is an excellent, excellent question because people do not realize often enough who owns their domain. And it's really important. So who should own the domain? The company for whom the domain is being created. So you should own your domain name. If, if you come up with the URL and the marketing company, your web hosting company, your web company says, great, we can get that for you. Or if you go on, you should put it in the name of someone at the company who's going to be there, but usually the name of the company. The company who's registering the domain name should own the domain. Any legitimate web marketing, advertising agency, hosting company that's registering domains for their clients should be very upfront about the ownership. It should be that company. And just one more tip on that is the way you can find out if you're listening to this going, gosh, I don't know. There's a very easy tool that's accessible called who a who is lookup. So if you go to any registrar website, networksolutions.com, register.com, these are all large registrars. You can go to their the who is lookup. There's going to be a link or a button to who is lookup and enter your domain name. And it will tell you the registrant is the owner of the domain. That's how you can check. And it's important to note also, if you are, when you do own the domain name yourself, uh, it's important to keep that who is information correct. There are different sections of the who is information, you know, who the admin is, who the tech person is. I don't remember what the others are. Financial contact, I think. And it's important that that be correct because if people need to contact you or if there are, you know, IP issues that, that crop up, someone thinks they own it or you're infringing on some of their intellectual property, they need to be able to contact people. Absolutely. Yeah. Make sure those contacts are up to date. And that just speaks also to the bigger issue of documentation. So even if that marketing intern who registers the domain name for your company uh, leaves, make sure they do, they when they register it, we all know who you all know whose name it's registered under an email address for each of those three contacts, admin, tech and financial, um, and as well as the registrant registrant should be the owner, and make sure it's documented and that that information is easily accessible by everybody you know involved in the project. Great. I'll make sure that we have put up a, a link to a who is lookup uh, site. And that way, if people have questions, there'll be a link for them. It'll be easy. Awesome. So I want to get back to the host. I'm going to preface my my questions with a story. Uh, about my first web host. Ah. When I first left school and was starting to freelance on my own, I needed a web host. And I reached out to a friend of mine and I said, hey, who do you know? And they gave me a friend of theirs who hosted websites. And I used this guy for, I don't know, five, six, seven years. And he was great. He was, I would call up on a Saturday morning and I'd say, hey, I just noticed, you know, my website's in Russian now. What's going on? <laughs> and he'd fix it. And he'd fix it right then. It didn't matter when I called him. He fixed it right then. And then, you know, after several years, he shut down the, the server and he said, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm shutting this down. You're gonna have to find a new host. Again, he helped make the process switching hosts smooth. It was fine. Uh, I found another good host. Good. But we, you know, we stayed in contact. We were friendly and 
you know, a couple years later, we got together for drinks. I would never met in person before. And it came out that he was uh, 24. <laughs> and I had first started using his services like eight years earlier. And so I think it's important to know who your host is, right? Is it a legitimate company? Or is it some high school kid who has extra space on some server he's running for a family member's business and he's making a few bucks on the side? So for me, it worked out fine. You were uh, lucky. <laughs> I, correct. I was lucky. Yeah. But it's important to know who's running your website, who's keeping it run, who, you know, who's keeping it up. That's so true. You were lucky because the guy in the basement who has a full-time job but does this on the side, whose server also resides in the basement, is not the person you want hosting your professional website. So where where are your site is hosted physically? That is important because you want to make sure that the website hosting company that you're using has their servers. Again, the information that serves up all your website data when people go in and request it by typing in your URL. You want to make sure that information is in a very secure location, not just physically secure with proper, you know, no windows and, uh, you know, doors to the outside or, you know, just there's certain physical security considerations, but that it's maintained correctly, that, you know, there's air conditioning, you know, 12 months out of the year, that it's maintained at a certain temperature, but also from obviously the digital security and cybersecurity perspective that, um, it's the the servers and the system is being monitored. Uh, for example, at our facility, we do 24-7 monitoring. Our entire support staff is on a pinger system so that if there's any sign of any type of suspicious activity or pe- people trying to hack in from the outside or any, any type of update that maybe didn't happen when we expected it to, we're automatically notified and we're instantly looking at what's happening. It's a basic security standard that you should have constant monitoring um, and high levels of security. Also, redundancy. So in your home, in your office, you probably have, you know, an internet connection. You, you have to. In our data center, you want there to be multiple internet connections because if one fails, you can't rely, you know, you need others to rely on. Um, we have a backup generator on site. Uh, that's also very important for the hosting facility to have backup power source because your site, you know, you mentioned what, you know, my site's in Russian or my site goes down. That shouldn't happen. <laughs> that's not a regular thing that, oh, well, you know, my site was down last week for a day or two or half a day. That shouldn't happen. There are ways that you can prevent that from happening. And so that just speaks to your point about choosing the, the hosting company that's going to have those security standards in place, have those basic fundamental infrastructure standards in place. And also, great that they have all that, but do they have a way for you as a client who doesn't speak tech to understand and communicate with them so that your needs are being met? So you need a company that also has that that connection so people can communicate what's happening with your site, help you when you need it. That's That's also really important, I believe, is having a hosting company that you can communicate with on a regular ongoing basis that's automatically available to you, depending on your needs. So for example, like Michael, you were telling me earlier, perhaps some companies like you have a online chat support line, some people that's fine for it. For other people, they need a person on the phone, or they need a person who come to their office and meet with them and talk to them. So that just depends on the needs of the company. You know, and so I think it's a good question to say, what is the, you know, what are the policies? Who am I just to know? in advance, because it's better to know in advance than when something has happened. Absolutely. Yeah, because if something does happen, you also don't, is it okay to be on on hold for, you know, half an hour, 10 minutes, whatever, what's okay for you, what's not okay for you. And that will help determine the questions you can ask your prospective hosting company. Well, and what, what do you feel more comfortable with that? I, I actually mm. quite like 
the online chat, I would rather not be on the phone. <laughs> That's um, a great point. So, you know, it, what's available? What do you prefer? And does that does that jibe for you? Right. Yeah. So for example, also email support, we do a lot of email support. So on a Saturday morning, we may not get on a phone with our client, but we'll email them back and forth. And we have clients who are not based in the United States. So for them, the time difference also makes it easier to email or the online way of communicating. Yeah. Um, And this is a actually that brings up a question that we hadn't actually talked about earlier. But how important is it to know where your host is located? You guys are located in New Jersey. How important is it to not necessarily be in the same state, but to at least be in the same country? Is that a, a valid concern, a valid question to ask your host? That is a valid question and a valid concern. And I think that the hosting company should be, well, you have your primary hosting company and then they often have backup facilities. So I think that it is important to have your hosting company located in the same country as you and also where your users are. So for example, with a with a firm with multiple locations in different countries, that's another question as well. But um, you want to be able to have that capability to serve users in all those locations. Earlier, we talked a bit about how the, you know, websites become more powerful, and the tools people are using to build and support them are becoming more powerful. And they're also integrating those websites and those tools with their office productivity tools. You know, how important is it, you know, in choosing a host to consider issues like integrating a CRM system that a firm uses uh, with their, you know, larger web structure? I think that's that's such a good question and such an important consideration because you know, we have a couple clients and I know the goal of a lot of people is to become paperless or to have that, you know, uh, organized back office that is paperless using a lot of the wonderful tools that are out there. When you're using those tools, you know, and for example, Salesforce is one of those tools. There are some wonderful ways to integrate a tool like that into your website. For law firms, I know there are a number of tools like that that exist that are integratable. I think I just made up a word into your website. It's important that if you're using those tools, that you speak to your web hosting company and make sure that your website and the platform that you're hosting on can support those tools. Usually, just like social media interf- uh, tools that can be integrated into your website, a lot of those commonly used tools, whether they're a CRM or other types of programs, Usually they have what's called APIs, but basically a way to connect your non-website tool to your website. And it is important to just ask those questions to your web company, to your hosting company, if you're interested in integrating those. I just want to talk quickly about reliability. Mm. You know, a lot of hosts will say they're 99.9 or nine, 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 nine. Know, <laughs> Right. How many nines are there? Right. You know, how much, how much downtime are you willing to accept in, in a year? How important is it? to look at the, that number. Um, how important is it to ask about, you know, their their physical plant? You know, are do they have their own servers or are they reselling someone else's servers? You know, do they have backups or, you know, backup generators or do they have uh, redundant internet access? Do they have brand new components? How often are they upgrading their components? Are they, you know, 10-year-old servers or are they two-year-old servers or are they replaced every year? How important is it to ask a host that kind of question? I think it's important um, because that's you're you're basically you you may spend anywhere from thousands to hundreds of thousands of dollars on your website, and ultimately it comes down to is it available? And so I think those questions are really important. And if so, you're slightly technical. You 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 have some comfort around these topics. If if you as a listener. <laughs> 
are not comfortable with technical topics or don't understand them, I think your web hosting company should be able to tell you about their facility and answer those questions of, of infrastructure, reliability, connectivity, what they're doing for backup, all of those things in a way that you can understand them. And also asking them about other clients they've worked with uh, in your field. That's also important. Or samples of other clients in your type of industry. That's important because it'll speak to how they've handled issues in the past. So I think both both conversations are important. One thing that I think is important uh, is speed. You know, how quickly does that website load? How quickly can you get access or can your potential clients get access to either their documents or the information that they need to convince them to hire you? You know, I remember back in the, you know, the bulletin board days, right? You'd dial in and you'd wait to get into the server and then you'd wait for your computer to finally talk to and negotiate with the other computer. Um, And then you'd finally get in and then you'd have to wait to hear someone's response. People don't wait today. No, we've come really far, (laughs) thankfully. And yes, so even now, speed is really, and it always has been important in building websites and hosting websites. There are ways you can see, obviously, if you go to a website, it takes a long time to load. That can be a problem. So there may be things on the back end. It's always likely on the back end, meaning how big are the pictures? Are they sized for the web? Are they compressed for the web? What about all the other coding features uh, behind the website that are driving the functionality? Are they properly optimized? That is a conversation that can get a little technical. In general, it's important to know that if you can view your information uh, quickly and readily and easily on your website, that's always the goal. There are speed tests that can be done. Google has a page speed test. For search engines, it becomes also important uh, because that's one of the metrics that they use to measure how how they list you. Let's just say it's very important and it's something that your web hosting company can speak with you about. You know, another similar issue is, is questions of security. Mm. Right. I've had one of my websites was hacked. It was an enormous pain in the in the butt. You know, it wasn't the end of the world and it was fixed quickly. So, again, I got lucky that it wasn't worse than it was, but it was a pain for a, a company like a like a law firm. It's a bigger problem. I, I don't have any, you know, confidential or privileged client information. Law firms do. So how important is it to ask your host that you're you know, potentially going to be working with what security they have in place, you know, what kind of track record they have, how, how do you and, and how do you even judge that? That's a really, really, really important question to ask. Because as you said, a lot of websites collect data sensitive information. And even if they don't, um, it's still a problem. It's like use takes a lot of time and energy, and it's not fun. Um, so one question, obviously, the security question, asking them about what type of monitoring they're doing. Because when your site is hacked, first of all, there's things that happen before your site gets hacked. Sometimes, I mean, I think hackers are getting smarter and smarter, but hopefully so are um, security processes and monitoring. So make make sure your hosting company is doing security monitoring to to so they can be aware of the activity happening on your site. And backup is really important. That's a great, that's like, you should definitely be asking about the type of backups that your hosting company is doing, because if you do have a breach, a data breach or website you know, breach, you want to be able to restore anything that was lost. And I'll just tell you, even if it's not from the outside. So for example, we had a client, we have a client um, 
who's uh, a person at their company left the company, but they had done some things on the website before to to screw things up, essentially. So we were able to restore the website prior to that. So, you know, there's even things, especially if you have a number of people maintaining your website or working on your website, um, that's that can be that is a security issue. And you want to make sure they're all educated on the policies and procedures. So make sure your hosting company does security monitoring and backup. Great. And again, just as a side note, we'll put a link to some of these speed tests. And also, um, there is a company, I was at a conference uh, a couple weeks ago, that does do security, I guess, grading. Um, and you can you can actually check if you're looking to do business with someone, whether it's a web host or another company, uh, th- they can give you some some information about how secure that company is. Um, so we'll put a link to the, both of those those sites as well. It's great. This is the most resources we've ever given out on a web. Yay. Um, there's also you know different kinds of hosting, right? So for instance, again, I have a simple website. I have a simple company. It's very straightforward to what my needs are. So I have sort of the base, you know, shared server kind of space. But that can go from there through dedicated and managed servers to things like virtual servers and co-location where you're putting your own company's server in the host space. How important is it that that your host is scalable? You know, if, you know, in terms of small firms, mid-sized firms, large firms, you know, at what point do people have to start thinking about, you know, the scalability that their host offers? I think if you, especially if you foresee growth on your website and your company, it's important that your website host is scalable. Even if not, there may be things that, you know, there's always things that happen unexpectedly. You may add more products or services or offerings on your website or may require more bandwidth, you know. So shared web hosting is is probably is the most common type of web hosting in most companies with um, basic websites that don't have a lot of uh, additional complexity and functionality, such as database integration and things like that. So uh, those types of companies, shared web hosting is fine. When you start looking at shared hosting, virtual servers, that's typically when you need to, when you have more data on your website and when you also have more traffic coming to your website. Um, you also want to make sure that your hosting company is a company that can scale. So for example, uh, we hosted a website for a charity that was featured on a TV show, a popular TV show. The night that TV show aired, they had a ton of traffic to their website. So we were able to make some adjustments. And this actually happens with with other companies who release a lot of information on their website on an ongoing basis. We have a client with the live streaming press conferences constantly on their website. So it's important. They can't predict how much traffic they'll have on their website. But if we know about it, we can be prepared. Uh, even Even if we don't know about it, we can be prepared to accommodate what they need. So I think that's important to know about your hosting company is that they if you have those sort of uh, functions on your website, live streaming, video, um, extra functionality that your web hosting company can accommodate you. Part, part of also what you're talking about was bandwidth issues. You know, how much data can you send? Not just how much data can you store, but how much data can you send across the wires essentially? And again, if you're doing big things like video, if you're podcasting or hosting uh, you know, webinars and you're going to have some of that content live on your website, it's possible that you should... you know. A, make sure your web host is okay with that. And for a lot of that content, it's good to look for specialized content hosting, like sites like YouTube or Vimeo or for podcasting or other kind of audio sites, uh, things like SoundCloud or, um, you know, Blueberry. Absolutely. Yeah, that's always what we recommend because they, like you said, those types of 
sites are meant to host video specifically or you know, podcast specifically or audio specifically. So those are always the best and you can always feed it into your site and everyone everyone's happy doing what they're best at. Again, another thing that a lot of people confuse web hosting with because a lot of low-end hosts put them together is is email hosting. You know, I know that email hosting you guys do, but it's not necessarily something you always want to do or always should do. You know, what are considerations of when do you use your web host also to host your email and when perhaps should you look, you know, at an outside uh, outside service? These are great questions because I think a lot of people just they make assumptions and they're not looking at the best solutions for them. So I think to answer that question, it's important to look at what you need, what you need your email to do. Do you need to have all your attorneys or people on in your company able to access your email on their phones? Um that's very common. If so, make sure, you know, there are also security implications to that. So make sure you're addressing those. But um, that's a consideration, how people are using and accessing email. It depends on the web hosting company. We as a hosting company, we actually recommend a lot of our clients either use Google, which has a wonderful email hosting service. For nonprofits, it can also be free or a lesser charge. I can't, I believe it's a lesser charge. Or their IT companies set up email and host email for them independent from the web host. For example, on Microsoft 360, or some people still use Exchange servers. So, whatever the right solution is, usually it, it does not necessarily have to have anything to do with the website hosting. But if they want easy, sometimes you talk to the host, and sometimes that solution, sometimes that's okay. Sure, especially if you have, you know, if you have five or six email addresses or under 10 email addresses, and it's pretty standard setup, it's that could also work. Yeah, depending on your needs, and how you're using email. Um, So one thing that's come up throughout is that there's no one solution that's going to work for everybody. There's no one company that's going to serve everybody's needs, which means that there's a lot of questions that have to get asked. Um, when choosing a web host or when looking at, you know, these backend tools of your website. So perhaps we could just close with your top three to five questions that you should be asking either a potential web host or your marketing vendor that's helping you uh, interface with that host. You know, what, what, what should people be asking about their hosting? I think that's great. Well, the first thing I would say is really about their policy of backing up data and restoring data uh, equally as important because if they have backups, that's great, but you want to make sure that you can be restored on your website um, and how they approach that. You know, again, from th- the worst case scenario, if you are hacked, that they can uh, replicate your data and put, put your website back up. Um, or if they're simply you have a team of people updating your website and oops, a page goes away or something gets written over, how quickly can they restore and 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 help you out? That not only speaks to the, you know, them serving a need that you may have, but also their general culture of support and how they approach supporting their, their clients. The second thing is how they work with you, how your hosting company would work with you on a long-term basis. So, you, you know, we approach our clients as we want to be in a long-term relationship. We're not there to just, you know hit a monthly number and, you know, help them when they call, we want to make sure that we can be of service to them, not just when they need us, if there's a problem, but with questions like the ones you're answering that are really, or the, the ones that you're asking, which I think are really important. Um, and then the third is, again, security. Uh, what's their what's their infrastructure like? What kind of monitoring do they do? What kind of back, uh, what kind of um, 
yeah, backup power sources do they have? What kind of connectivity to the internet do they have? And making sure that they can also, you feel comfortable with them. Because I think you, you brought that up earlier. What are you comfortable with? That's really important. Are you okay with a company that you can't pick up the phone and speak to? Or do you need that? You know, so there's that type of level of support I think is important. Well, Val, I want to thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Legal Marketing Studio podcast. Uh, We'll make sure we have a link to all of those resources that we talked about earlier, as well as to tag online, because if you're looking to uh, switch hosts or if you're building a website, it's probably time to start asking some questions about whether or not your current hosting works or if you need new things and tag online would be a great resource in that conversation. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'd be happy to talk to anybody. Great. Well, the Legal Marketing Studio is a production of Picture More Business, a full-service corporate photography studio based in Brooklyn, New York, but working with clients regionally and nationally uh, and with a core focus on the legal industry. If your firm is updating its website, hiring new attorneys, or revamping its brand and marketing materials, give us a call. We'd love to explore collaborative opportunities. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe. The Legal Marketing Studio can be found on iTunes and on SoundCloud. Extended content, including photographs and links, such as those described before, can be found on our website, legalmarketing.studio. Note that there's no .com. It's just legalmarketing.studio. Would you like to appear on the Legal Marketing Studio or know someone who might? Please send an email to producer at legalmarketing.studio, or reach out via the contact page on our website, legalmarketing.studio. That's all for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. (laughs) 